scripture lesson this morning, I'm going to call an audible from what was in the, the bulletin this morning. It's a good verse, but this one seemed to go better with the, the theme for this morning. Uh, you'll find that, uh, that this verse uh, speaks well to many other things that are in the Bible. We're going to look at Ephesians fourth chapter, the first through the sixth verse. Listen to the word that God has for us this morning. As a prisoner for the, war, for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, O oh God, may your word be proclaimed either through me or in spite of me. Amen. Last week, we started a sermon series based on Tom Rainer's book, I Am a Church Member. It's a series designed to discover or maybe in some cases rediscover the privilege and joy of church membership. Last week, we spoke about being a functioning church member. I pointed out that, that biblically, there's no such thing as an inactive member. And that for us to function as the body of, of Christ, as God intended, we have to fulfill our part. Just as all the parts of the human body have to work together for us to operate at maximum efficiency. Second chapter of Rainer's book deals with unity in the church. The title of the chapter is, I Will Be a Unifying Church Member. Folks, believe it or not, God desires for Christians to get along. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that. Just a few years ago, there was a problem on the Miami Dolphins football team. It's a guy named Richie Incognito. You remember that name? I think he may have just retired. But Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin had every reason as teammates to be friends, but they were not. Incognito harassed and bullied Martin. He called him a terrible racial slur and a voicemail that was played on every media outlet in the country. He actually threatened to kill Martin and his family. When he was called out for it, Incognito said, well, you know, that's just the way the guys talk in the locker room. It's the way we talk in the NFL. Well, apparently, Martin didn't get the memo. He left the team and ultimately the NFL. He cited emotional trauma and fear for his life. But the, the press seemed to think that Martin had something to do with it as well. They said he was far too passive in dealing with this bully. He was a big man. He should have just taken care of business. He shouldn't let that guy talk to him that way. These men had many more reasons to get along than to have this toxic and terrible relationship. Consider all the reasons that they had to be friends. They were both football players, played on the same team, had both had the same head coach and position coach, both played on the offensive line. They even played next to each other on the line. Both men were starters. 
And both had the desire to win. But somewhere along the way, one or both of them forgot that they played for the same team. And they began to treat each other like someone from the, the other team. They forgot that the enemy, who are really just, you know, other football players trying to make a living, were on the other side of the ball, not in their own locker room. Just like those two guys, we as the church members have plenty of reasons to work together for the same goal. Ephesians 4, the, the fourth and through the sixth verses, it says there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We share these important things. We, we're the, the same body of believers. We share the same Holy Spirit, the same hope of eternity with Jesus Christ, who is our same Lord. We share the same faith, the same baptism, the same communion, the same God and Father of all. And yet disunity and division is common among the people called Christians. Jesus said in John 13, the 34th and, 50, uh, and 35th verse, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The world's going to know if we're Christians or not by the way that we treat the other believers, the way we act toward one another. When you become a Christian, God expects you to become a part of the church. But when you become part of his church, he wants you to be a unifying presence there. A thing called unity. Got another sports analogy for you. Michael Jordan said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. Sports teams with average talent win championships all the time. It doesn't matter how many superstars you have on the team if they can't play together as a team. Ask the Dallas Cowboys. Unity is important. It's critical. William Barclay said, The gospel cannot truly be preached in any congregation which is not a united band of brothers and sisters. When church members don't work well together, the church is going to be weaker as a whole. Jesus says in Mark 3, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. You've heard that one before. Unity is vital to the health of a church. One of the meanings of vital is absolutely necessary or essential. It's something that you can't get along without. First three verses of our scripture lesson today 
as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Paul says, I urge you to do something. What's that? To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The word live means literally as you walk around, as we go through life. And worthy points to behavior that is suitable, suitable to the calling that we've received. So how do we behave in a way that's suitable or worthy for our calling? Paul gives us in this verse five ways that we're to do that. First, we're to be completely humble. We place the needs of others above our own. We don't insist that we have rights that need to be met. Oh my goodness, this is just one and we're, it's already getting hard. I like to get my way. That's what Paul says here. Philippians 2, the first through the eighth verses, listen to this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Instructions right there. We're to be humble. Second, we're to be gentle. The idea here is that of, of meekness. That's a word we don't use a whole lot, meekness. Meekness is not, it's not weakness. Meekness is not weakness or timidity. Both Moses and Jesus are referred to in the scriptures as being meek. But the term here in the original language in Greek was used to refer to a large animal like, like a horse that had been trained to be restrained. The power, the power was still there. It was just channeled to be useful for the task at hand. It was a term that referenced power under control, meekness. Third, we're to be patient. Better translation is long-suffering. You know that word? I like that word. Long-suffering is when having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. Some of us would say our spouses are long-suffering for having to deal with us, right? 
I think the idea here is to have a long fuse as opposed to having a short one. Saw a Facebook little reel last night. Had an older dog and a puppy. Ever seen old dog and a puppy interact with each other? Puppy is doing what puppies do. It's hyperactive. It's jumping around the older dog and nipping at his ears and his nose and his feet and his tail, just going around in circles. He's doing what, what puppies do. What does that older dog do? He just lays there and takes it. No matter how bad that puppy warts him, that older dog is long-suffering in dealing with the puppy. Fourth, we're to bear with one another in love. It means we put up with other people's weaknesses and shortcomings, and we do it out of Christ-like love. This is getting harder and harder. I mean, you know, I expect you to put up with my shortcomings. I'm sure I want to put up with yours. I mean, you know, some of y'all get on my nerves. But we're to bear with one another in love. What is, what is this Christ-like love? Paul uses the same term here in agape that he uses in 1 Corinthians 13, the love verse. We, we, we used this last week. Love, remember? Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, we hear that verse quoted a lot at weddings. You've probably been to a wedding where that, where that verse was used. When we look across at our spouse, when we look at our children, or our families, we can imagine that kind of love. But Christ saw this love for everybody, this this agape, this unconditional love. That's where it gets hard. Fifth, we're to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort translates to the idea that we should make work quickly and diligently to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's something that is important to maintain. We do it through this bond of peace. That word bond means that we're tied together. As the body of Christ, as First Huntsville, we're tied together. We're holding hands. We can't let that tie, that bond of love be broken. Every church member, all of us, you and me, we've got to contribute to the unity of of the church. You've got a responsibility as a church member. You are to be a source of unity and not ever a source of division. You're to love your fellow church members unconditionally. This keeps getting harder. You know, it doesn't mean, though, that you agree with everyone all the time. It doesn't mean that you sign away those rights and, prefer and preferences that we talked about at the door. It does mean, though, that sometimes you're willing to compromise and maybe even sometimes sacrifice your own, pre your own preferences to keep unity 
in the church, not just to keep the peace, but to keep the unity of the church. We're going to spend more time on this idea of preferences next week. When we seek unity, we demonstrate love. Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Unity is really important in our church, in the church, in the body of Christ, for the people called Christians. Are we doing our part? Are you doing your part? Big part of being unified are those things that we visited about last week. Being present in church. We, we joke about how easy it's become to watch church in your jammies with a cup of coffee. But make no mistake, we need to be here in unity. Here in the CLC, there in the historic sanctuary, looking at each other in the face. Discussing the Sunday school lesson having sometimes hard decisions and hard conversations that need to be had, fellowshipping over a cup of coffee and a donut. We need to be unified in our giving, not equal in our giving, but unified, not letting our financial gifts become, for lack of a better word, weaponized, so that our gifts only go where we want them to, and serve the ministries that we want them to. And we need to serve. Again, not equally, but as a functioning part of the body of Christ. Find a ministry that you're passionate about and engage in it. Folks tell me all the time that, they, uh, you know, that they're worried about being in a ministry because they're afraid they're going to be asked to lead it. Well, you're for sure not going to get anything done if you stay in the parking lot. You've got to engage. I told the mission team last week, we'll never run out of need. We'll never, ever run out of ministry opportunity. If that becomes the case, then hallelujah, because we're going home. We'll never run out of the need to be the church and to serve others. Since the pandemic has stabilized, churches all over the country are dealing with smaller numbers in the pews, reduced financial giving, and smaller ministries. We're no different. You've done some mighty things. We had a capital campaign and pledged and raised a whole lot of money to help pay off this building, which hosted about 60 or 70 people just this life. You would have seen what this place looked like all week when the, the uh, U of Army group was here from the Gulf Coast. It was just amazing. It was a hive of activity. If you've been in here to see the, the chair yoga that goes on or all the classes that go on upstairs, our Wednesday night things, you've done a mighty thing here. You fought to bring weekly worship and study and fellowship to this church when many churches across our conference and across the country were all but boarded up. And you continued to love on each other and show the love of Christ in your community in some really, really powerful ways. 
So now that we're, we're in a place now to move forward into a new ministry world, the committees of the church are asking you to return, to reconnect, and to renew. Each of those words is special, and we're going to talk more about them in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to focus on returning to church, making church attendance the priority that it should be, finding the folks that hadn't found us again since the, the pandemic stabilized. Where are they? Have they gone somewhere else? Are they watching in their jammies? Or are they just got out of the habit? It's time to return to church because we're powerful. The body of Christ is more powerful. The ministry that we can do is more powerful when they're here. We need to reconnect. We need to reconnect with God. We need to reconnect with our church family. We need to reconnect to the ministries that drew us here in the first place and the ones that light our fire today. And finally, we're going to renew. We're going to renew our vows of church membership. We're going to, if you remember that when you joined this church years ago, you were asked one question. Will you support this United Methodist Church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? You said, I will. Those who went before us, I always think about the folks that, that have walked the hall here and the previous building that was here and the, the historic sanctuary for over 100 years. Always think about those folks. They endured trials of their own, just like, just like we have. But I believe with God's help that when the history of the third decade of the 21st century is written for this church, that the people of Huntsville, the people of Huntsville First United Methodist Church will be found faithful. A unified church making good on their mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, hear our prayer for unity. That we may love each other as you first loved us. May we act with compassion, kindness, and humility, gentleness, and patience toward one another living in unity with you. May we lay down our swords, set aside our grievances, and forgive each other as you forgave us. Lord, lead us to take what you've given us, love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and spread those in this world, lavishing them upon the others in our lives, this community, to the far reaches of your world. May your love bind us together in perfect unity. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.